Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hey, it's Hugh Ballou. We're here on Tuesday for the Nonprofit Exchange with uh, Russell David Dennis from Denver, Mile High, Colorado. How are you today, Russell? It's another beautiful day here in Aurora, Colorado. Looking forward to chatting with my friend Bud Michael about growing early stage companies this afternoon. And we need to help nonprofits think about business principles. Um, so, Bud, you have some really sound business principles that nonprofit leaders need to embrace because, in fact, they are tax exempt for purpose businesses. And so, Bud, we're gonna we're gonna throw it to you if you give us a a little bit about your background and why did why is it that you do what you do today? Yeah, hi, welcome everybody. It's a pleasure to to join you today. Uh, I have uh, been an operating executive in high-tech companies for 40 years. Uh, I've run four companies um, and uh, have successfully exited companies. Uh, The last two years, uh, I have been uh, an advisor to a nonprofit in in Colorado called the Innosphere. And we work with um, early stage and growth stage tech companies to help them uh, get market traction and uh, build out their their businesses. So my my perspective is going to be from uh, helping um, uh, private companies uh, build their business and uh, and develop out their teams and whatever they need to do to get market traction. Um, I think that. From, uh, from working uh, in a nonprofit for a couple of years and been associated with many, I think that a lot of the principles are nonprofits. So that's what I hope to cover today and talk with you about and, uh, and uh, see if we can apply some of the things we've learned about building and growing uh, private companies for the nonprofit sector. Awesome, awesome. So, Russell, you live in the neighborhood there, at least you're in the same geographic location. He's in Boulder. You're in you're in a, of, of Arvada. So, how do you and how are you and Bud connected? Well, I met Bud at the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs back in December, where he came to do a briefing, and he was talking to us about Innisfear which is in effect an incubator. It's an incubator for bringing tech products to market. And I was fascinated with what he was saying. And he told me that it it was organized as a nonprofit. And I thought, I've got to get this guy on our podcast because he's he's straddling that line, running a nonprofit and uh, working with businesses to help them become successful in bringing products to market. And there's, it's really critical to, to think in terms of bringing something to a market. I, I think there's a lot of similarities. So the, the first thing I want to, uh, Bud, to address is uh, how building a nonprofit is the same uh, as building a, a for-profit enterprise. What are some of the similarities and what are some of the key differences? 
Well, I think that uh, I, I go back to work done by a, a guy named Simon Sinek who uh, wrote a book called uh, First Start With Why. And uh, that's a starting point for any organization. Uh, you've got to be really clear on what is the purpose. Why, why are you doing what you're doing? Um, and, you know, the, 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 the contrast on that is that many of us, most of us, get so deep into, uh, you know, how we deliver the services, what we do to deliver the services that we forget about, the basic premise, which is why are we doing this? And I think it's particularly important for nonprofits because of the mission. And uh, so, if you, so, so for any organization, you really need to get clear on, you know, wh why are you doing this? Then uh, you can start talking about, you know, how you do it and, and, and what the particulars are about your organization to, to, you know, deliver value to your audience, to your, to your membership. So that's the, I think that that's the big sort of the baseline. If you, if you don't get clear with your why, you can never really resonate with your audience, which means you're never going to really be able to, to gather your membership and be able to provide the, the kinds of services they need. What, what's different? Well, I think the biggest difference is uh, the funding mechanism. Um, you know, as a nonprofit, you are, uh, you're getting, you're looking for, uh, say, non-equity based financing, whatever that might be, donations, contributions, uh, membership fees, whatever it might be. And certainly in a, in a, in a for-profit, uh, the initial money comes from, uh, you know, uh, your own funding as a founder and then eventually bringing in uh, other equity-based um, financings to support the company. Um, but, but I think ironically for most people, it's less about are you in business to make money? Everybody needs to make money to have sustainable business, right? It's the question of are they distributed profits or are they put back into the organization to grow? And that then translates into, well, who are the shareholders, who are the stakeholders in the organization? So, um, you know, I think, uh, I, again, the, the key takeaway for me is um, for, for profit or not for profit, if you really understand what your mission is, you can then identify your audience and the kinds of services that they, you know, that they need that you want to deliver to them. With uh, with both uh, for-profit and non-profit uh, type uh, services rolled up into one uh, and getting uh, the thought process toward generating revenue apart from some of the traditional thinking that people would have, what are some of the unique challenges of making that marriage where you have uh, a nonprofit type purpose and profit making uh, uh, ventures sort of blended into one as a hybrid. What are what are some of the unique challenges that you found uh, putting together a nonprofit that operates a business? Yeah, uh, you know it's a great question. The um, let, let me let me start with a, a, a basic idea, which is whatever your uh, operating plan is for your organization if if you are delivering value to your membership your to your to your customers or to your stakeholders you're going to have a sustainable organization and uh and you'll be able to attract the funds you need to build a business um 
that's true for nonprofit as much as it is for for-profit. Uh, so uh, what is the value that you're delivering to the audience? Um, and, uh, and how are you going to deliver those services to them, right? Um, and if you are uh, clear on that and you're able Differentiable services, uh, then um, you'll have an organization that will sustain itself. Um, if you're not clear on that, you're going to be all over the map. And and you know one of the things that we talk with our uh, entrepreneurs about is focus and uh, really understand. Again, it gets back to the why, but really understand um, who is your target audience. What's your value proposition as a nonprofit? Right? Why are you doing this? And and if you weren't there. How would that constituent uh, solve that problem, wherever it is? Now, I think an interesting distinction is um, in, uh, in for-profit uh, organizations, the, the value proposition tends to be economic, right? So you're going to buy my goods or services, and for that, you're going to get some kind of a return. You're going to get, you know, more greater, uh, more uh, business efficiencies, you're going to uh, deliver um, higher return to your stakeholders. There's going to be some economic value you can measure by doing that. It could be you're just going to get, you know, uh, greater, um, uh, greater return on the investments that you make, greater asset return. In a nonprofit, um, I think uh, more than anything, the return I get by being a member of the nonprofit is an emotional return. Right, it's because we share a common belief. We share we share a common that core value, whatever the nonprofit you know or is is intended to do. And so it's less to the I think it's less uh, to the uh, to the economic return. It's much more to the purpose and the community return. Um, but whatever that is, it still has to resonate. It still has to solve that need. Uh, you know, for your for your Customer. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes, it does. You know, you have a number of audiences that you're serving, and that uh, that's that's a challenge for a lot of nonprofits. Uh, some of them traditionally uh, don't talk about things like value. Uh, and then you have so many different constituencies that are actually customers or stakeholders. Uh, you've got people who are, are, are connecting to your agency in, in multiple ways. Uh, so talk a little bit about how you discuss these multiple audiences with nonprofits, because you have people that are getting your services, you have donors, you have agencies that fund them. In the case of a hybrid, where there's a combination of economic benefit as well as personal benefit for, for people that are, are getting your services, when you, when you run into an organization and you're talking to them about value uh, that you provide, how do you have that conversation in a way that, that helps the people in the nonprofit get that they're... Uh, they're playing the multiple constituencies and that, yes, they are providing value. Yeah. Um, it really comes down to uh, how are you 
delivering on your mission, your purpose, and and what are you doing in terms of services or uh, or, or even you know products to, to offer, right? Because because we all go at something with a different call it problem set or different need that you're trying to solve, right? And and so uh, in Innosphere's case, we use Innosphere as an example. So our why, our purpose is economic development. Innosphere is uh, is purposed to help develop jobs in Colorado. So that's our why. How do we do that is by working with startups and growth companies because those are the employers, those are the ones that create jobs. So to the extent that we are helping them build out their business, they're gonna create jobs and we can deliver on our mission, right? What do we do are the products that we offer and the, and the various services. So we, we work with entrepreneurs that uh, need to find money. We work with entrepreneurs that need to develop out their executive team. Um, we work, uh, another one of the products we offer is in, uh, in, in coaching them with business systems and, and methods and planning, right? So that they can scale the business. But um, at any given time, any one of our entrepreneurs that's working with us has got a different need. So the product that's delivered delivers against that need. It manifests differently, but it's all moving toward the same goal, which is get these companies successful so that they'll create jobs in Colorado, right? So for your nonprofit, you know, again, you think about, well, why are we there? What's our purpose? Then you think about, well, how are we going to deliver to that purpose? Are we going to, for example, if we're going to be Goodwill Industries, Right, we're going to deliver by by picking up donated goods. We're going to create the systems and the methods to deliver those goods uh, efficiently and cost affordably for the audiences. We're going to have retail stores, right? So you think about those are the how you're going to get it done, and the products you're going to offer are you know pickup of services. You're going to offer you know refurbishing uh, goods for people, right? So it's those kind of ways that you drill into. That and the products that you are, it really comes down to, to your point, uh, Russ. That the any one of at any given time, um, the reason I'm interested in and and uh, working with your nonprofit, donating to your nonprofit, is because your mission resonates with me. And as long as you keep um, close to your you know your constituents, and you deliver on those things that they can use to get you know, their own benefit, their own value return for being a member, um, you'll connect with your, you'll connect with your, with your uh, audience. You know, I love the, the job creation aspect of Goodwill Industries too. That's a marvelous example because they do so many things. Uh, and so the, what you're talking about essentially, Bud, is what we would call critical success factors and now, what are the ones that you think are most important for any enterprise and particularly for nonprofits? Critical success factors um, probably boils down into, uh, you know, how you can execute on your plan, right? Um, and, uh, and do you have, you know, something else that we, that we talk a lot about that I think is relevant for nonprofits. It's, it's a concept called the whole product. Um, each of us bring to bear 
uh, one element, one part of uh, what could resonate, what could be of value to your constituent, right? But um, Goodwill Industries couldn't deliver on their promise if they didn't have trucks. They couldn't deliver on their promise if they didn't have people to drive the trucks, right? And they couldn't deliver on the promise if they didn't have retail trucks. Um, so you start going through, and, and so the whole product is a concept that says, what are all of the things that we need to have as part of our services to deliver on our promise to our constituents, to deliver on our purpose, right? And so the critical success factors start with, do you really understand everything that your um, constituent needs to get value from your nonprofit? Um, uh, and, quite, and, and, and quite often, more of those things come from outside of your immediate organization, right? It's your ecosystem. It's your network that you've got to bring into play. And so you create partnerships and you create like-minded uh, groups and collaboration to deliver on this whole product idea. So I would say critical success factor number one is, do you really understand your why? Critical success factor number two is, do you understand what it's going to take and all the pieces to it, right? Um, many nonprofits now have gone to doing having online web communities, right? Well, part of your whole product is you need to have a robust website that delivers on, you know, that part of your, of your uh, value. Um, so do you understand and do you have in place everything that you need to deliver on that uh, on that brand promise, on that value promise. Um, and if not, where are you gonna get it, right? How are you gonna partner with organizations or people to, to go get it? Um, and then lastly, it's just the execution. It's, uh, do you have a solid operating plan? Um, do, you, do you have a good, solid, continuous um, fundraising and funding mechanism, right? How are you gonna go about doing all that? Because <clears throat> no organization can survive if you don't have the capital to support organization so having a good solid executable plan um, and you know mapping against that plan so and, and I think both of those are true again for the for-profit as well as nonprofits well there's um, you make a good point but there there in my mind there's really no distinction in the whole structure of the organization you've got a for-profit enterprise people are buying goods and services and you've got a for-purpose enterprise, people are, uh, which is attracting money because of the value, the, 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 the unique value proposition that you talked about earlier. Um, why do you think, uh, we, we prefer, or at least I refer to people leading nonprofits as a social entrepreneur, and with all the gifts and the liabilities of entrepreneurs, you know, the shiny object, the, I'm going to do it myself, I don't, I'm not going to, work with other people because I don't want a routine, you know, the, the lack of having the, the gift of discipline and routine, um, which really penalizes. So speak to the person that says, oh, I don't want a strategy is going to limit my creativity or that kind of mindset. It, it, uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting one. So let me, let me give you the, you were uh, smiling like you had heard this before. Well, I hear it every single day from entrepreneurs, right? I mean, don't contain my creative juices. You know, I can solve all the world's problems. And, 
we are unique individuals. You know, people ask me all the time, do all of you entrepreneurs suffer from insanity? And my answer is, hell no, we enjoy it. That's right. That's right. Um, so when I think about, um, you know, establishing your presence in, the, in, in, your, in your world, in your constituent, to deliver on your, why are you doing this at all, right? Um, the, uh, it, it, Getting traction, meaning getting that toehold in the um, audience and getting your really getting uh, crisp on who you are, why you're doing it, and for whom. And from there, you can you can do you know you can take that momentum because it's all about starting someplace and getting momentum, and then you can branch out, right? Um, so I'll give you an example again, back to. Uh, very near and dear to my heart through the Unisphere and, and how we've played this out over 20 years. And then I'll come back and I'll, I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you a metaphor to sort of picture in your own mind as the, as to the, the difference. So with Unisphere, we started out specifically supporting bioscience and life science companies that are technology being spun out of, uh, university of, uh, Colorado. And, uh, and its purpose 20 years ago was to help the um, scientists at CSU to uh, figure out what of their experiments was, could be commercialized. So they had no way to vet them. So that was the original core purpose. Of that was how we were going to deliver on job growth, and, and particularly in Fort Collins. Okay, fast forward 20 years. We now support... Uh, clean tech, we support enterprise software and hardware companies, we support digital health companies. Um, we do that in, um, in uh, Fort Collins, in Boulder, in Denver, in Parker, in Colorado Springs. But we didn't get there by trying to do all of that at the same time, is the key point, right? You start somewhere, you get focused around, you know, what is your initial starting point. Um, and that allows you to create momentum that then you can leverage and build out from there. You can build out to offering more services. You can build out, you know, through, through broadening your geographic reach, whatever it might be. Uh, but it's, but the, but the more you're able to focus on uh, that initial uh, problem or value you're trying to deliver, you know, the, the reason your constituents would care and want to support you. Um, and then you build it from there. And so the metaphor, and I'll come back to the, to the metaphor. So imagine getting into market, establishing your nonprofit uh, to be known at all, right? It's a bit like trying to get through a brick wall because there's, there's a lot of resistance to be able to get some traction, get momentum going, right? You can do it by taking a wrecking ball and trying to smash through the brick wall and eventually you'll be able to get there right it'll take a lot of energy there'll be a lot of collateral damage or you know you may or may not survive because you're able you, you, you can't fund yourself you can't you know you're going to make more and more anyway, the other way you could do it is you could take a quarter inch drill bit and drill a hole into the wall it's a lot more efficient takes a lot less energy it's a lot more precise 
And then once you've got the hole in the wall with a quarter inch drill bit, you take out a half inch drill bit and you widen the hole and you can build it out from there. And, and that metaphor is exactly back to the point to highly creative uh, entrepreneurs, which is, hey, I want to do this and I'm, you know, and I'm going to go at it uh, on multiple fronts at multiple times. You find out that your success is much higher the more you can get focused on that initial uh, beachhead market or that initial purpose and then build it from there once you've got momentum. So it's not about you know, containing creative juices. It's much more about channeling those juices in a way that you're able to create momentum, create a brand, and then you can build out your constituency once you've got, you know, uh, you're set and you've got some established position in your, uh, you know, in your market. Russell, I'm sorry to interrupt your really effective line of questioning, but I had one more, if I may, Russ, for, for you pick up your orderly, or, orderly interviewing here. <laughs> um, but you just threw out uh, a bomb, your brand. Now, a lot of, we go back to this, I don't need that back again with this stuff with entrepreneurs. Nonprofits especially don't go through the discipline of creating their brand image, their brand promise. They, they think a logo is their brand, this pretty picture. So do you want to take a shot at that one? That's related to the why and your unique value, isn't it? And how is it related? That's exactly right. And, and, and we can pick our favorite brand um, and it will immediately connote in our minds who that organization or who that company is, what they do, why they do it, uh, it allows you to decide whether you're going to, you know, whether you support them or not. You know, you talked earlier about the social enterprise, right? So one of the benefits, one of the key things I think personally that nonprofits have going for them is, as I said earlier, um, generally speaking, the value is an emotional. I'm doing it because there's a bigger cause. It's a community value that I want to get to, right? As opposed to just the, you know, the economic return. Uh, for doing it. Um, it the profit to establish brand so that their audiences so that their audiences can um, really understand who they are, what they stand for, and whether this is an organization I want to spend my time with, volunteer with, whether I want to align myself with it. Your, brand, your logo is one manifestation of your brand. But it's just one, right? Um, your brand and your brand promise is everything to do about how you present your nonprofit to the community. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, there's been many examples of, of late where what the organization says they stand for and what their members do are two different things. One of the biggest ways you can completely destroy your brand is inconsistencies in what you say and your behaviors, right? So your brand, so what does that mean? It means that your, that your organization's culture becomes a very real part about your brand, right? Are you all, you know, certainly you would all be, you know, marching to the same high order purpose, but, um, 
but your brand to your constituency is, is a way for them to distinguish who you are and is this an organization I want to have my personal brand, right, be aligned with. So it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it, it's, a, it's a two or three hour conversation on its own. But, but the key thing in, to remember is, like you said, you, the, you know, most people think of a brand as being the logo or trademarks, right? And that's just one manifestation. Your brand encompasses um, everything, every image, every part about your organization that you put forward, including how your team members react, um, how they present themselves in the community. Um, it's, it's, it all, you know, has an impact on um, whether I can, you know, uh, whether I can support whether I believe in your nonprofit. Final thing is trust. Um, we all, at the end of the day, align ourselves with people and organizations we trust. And trust has, the brand connects back with the trust and can I rely on this organization to be who I think they are and who I want them to be, right? Gets back into the behavior. So yeah, so brand is a very, very broad um, topic. It's usually, you know, boils down into uh, you know, a nice logo and good colors, but it's, it's much more than that. And you really need to be thinking about that. Um, and then, and then obviously tie it back to key theme. Does your brand uh, align and support your mission? Key items. Thank you, Russ. I think we may have, did we lose connection here? Um, every now and then you go silent um, <laughs> uh, in your, your connection. It looks like Russell's got a, uh, an empty connection. He's frozen in our audio here. Um, so as we're moving down the list here, um, factor in, you talk about strategy and brand, you, you, you talked about um, how the, the, the brand is actually represented by the people in the organization. And um, we've had um, David Corbin on here, who's got the book called Brand Slaughter, how one person can totally uh, ruin the image of an organization. We know of um, famous situations for big companies. Um, <clears throat> we won't mention names, but you know their initials are united. But some companies, one person can really spoil spoil the image, and um, it, it, they're really not acting within the principles, the core principles. We um, we define core values, and we feel good about them, and we put them away, and they don't affect our culture um, very effectively. Our strategies then develop guiding principles of how we how we make defining decisions, um, which is in line with who we are in our culture, which is defined pretty much by our brand. Um, so looking at your roadmap, which is your strategic plan, and looking at the implementation of it, um, what are some of the biggest challenges you see for the leader, the person that's trying to get it done? Um, what's the biggest challenge for the leader taking this piece of paper, which is a strategy, 
and making it become real? What's, what's the, you know, some of the biggest challenges? So there's an old Chinese proverb that says a vision without a plan is a daydream and a plan without a vision is a nightmare. The, the connection point for any organization is um, do you have an operating plan that's supportable by the resources that you've got, the people that you've got, and, um, and is tied into who you are community. Um, the biggest challenge, I think, for, for any um, leader is uh, staying on course because there are you know, innumerable opportunities to go try this, go do that, go start this, go do whatever, right? And, and I think one of the most effective tools to help a leader stay on course is, is a concept called the parking lot. Because you get in meetings and you'll get in planning meetings or you'll be out meeting with you know, a new donor and they're, you know, it's, it's uh, I love everything you're doing, but you, know, you should just be doing this one more thing, right? Thing number one is you should have a way a mechanism to take those ideas and put them into a framework where you and your leadership team can discuss them and talk about them, prioritize them, and really, really, again, get back to the notion of, okay, this is an interesting idea. We can do this part of it, but we need these other organizations or these other people to help us do the other part to really make it happen. It starts with the parking lot. Because at any given time, you're operating, if you, if you are executing on your operating plan, you're doing stuff. You're doing stuff that at one point in planning meeting, you decided was the right thing to do, right? So the fact that this next shiny object comes in or new idea comes in doesn't or shouldn't usurp the time you put into deciding what to do now. What it does do is it introduces new possibilities. And so you put those into a parking lot. A parking lot could be a whiteboard. It could be just noted in, you know, in a notepad. It could be put in an Excel file. But put it somewhere that you as your leadership team on a regular basis, usually monthly, right, certainly every quarter, um, you come back to. And you say, all right, are we operating against the things, our goals, and what we said we needed to do? Yes. Okay. What else can we do? Let's take a look at the, the, the new ideas that have come in that are in the parking lot, right? And let's, you can very quickly say, okay, around the room, here are 10 ideas. Let's talk about three of them. So let's pick three, right? And you go through them, you can, you can process them. You can do that. If you start getting that discipline where you're doing that on a monthly basis, then you'll have a good combination of executing against your plan because the idea of the parking lot is just because it's a good idea doesn't mean you should start doing it now. Put it in the parking lot, put it to a place where you can come back to it, um, really critically analyze it, right? Including scoping out what is it going to take to deliver? What do we have the resources? Is this largely an extension of what we're doing today, or is this a brand new thing? If it's a brand new thing, then, you know, how are we going to deliver on that, right? But, um, but that's how I, uh, that, that, and, and that method works pretty well because it, 
it sort of is a good balance between saying, hey, all you creative folks out there with new ideas, we're not saying no, we're saying, let's put it in a place we can come back and analyze it, work it with the team, figure out what it's really gonna take. So, so ideas are, start out as daydreams, and then when you put a plan to it, you can actually start executing it. I see Russell is back. Russell, we had you cut off for a while ago. Are you you're back on a connection, Russ? I'm not sure he's back yet. So you're on a roll there, buddy. Um, you have a lot of good answers. So go back to where you developed all of this practical knowledge. How did you get fluent in all of these things you're talking about? Did you go to study? Did you study? Did you learn from another discipline? What, what, you know, how did you get here? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm a voracious reader. I, I, um, I don't read fiction. Um, I read uh, history. I read uh, books written by people that have, you know, their, their credibility is in making a bunch of mistakes and writing about it um, so that other people don't repeat them. Um, I, uh, you know, I've been at this for 40 years. Um, I, um, uh, you know, I did, I did go to graduate school, but I can tell you that what I learned um, and what I've been really just by working people to do it, you know. The, um, there's a uh, there, there's a, um, a group that we that we Inosphere affiliated affiliated with. It's called True Space. They do what we do, but they're a for profit doing what we do. Um, they just completed a four year study with Gallup organization um, to look at what are the critical success factors of an organization. Why do some succeed and why do others fail? And the number one differentiator is: Are you a learning organization? And what does that mean? It means, do you have a um, systematic way to take what you've learned and put it back into your organization? And so I know all mistakes. I just assume not make mistakes that other people have made that I can you know, know about ahead of time. But I love this stuff. <laughs> Russell, can you hear us? I think we, we have lost Russell's contact. Um, so, Bud, we're, we're entering the last few minutes of our interview as we come to the last section of this. Um, help me think through what is what is a piece that we haven't addressed that you don't want to make sure you get on people's radar about, especially growing early stage companies. What's something we haven't talked about yet? Uh, you know, I think the magic in all this is really not magic. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fairly pedantic. It's doing it. Um, you know, we can talk all day long about the concepts and the ideas and the theories and the whatever, right? But, um, you know, I, I, I believe firmly that getting success has a lot more about saying no than saying yes, right? So the, the core theme in my mind in that regard is, is discipline. 
And do you, as a leadership group of your nonprofit, of your organization, you know, are you committed to what you say you're going to go do, right? You, you obviously have got some level of plan. I mean, shooting from the hip is a plan. It's not usually a very effective one, but it's a plan. And, uh, and are you committed? Are you, are you disciplined enough to uh, stick with your game plan, right? To pick how you're going to start and promote and develop out your brand holistically, as we talked about. Um, do you really understand um, how you're going to fit into the everyday lives of your constituents? Because they're going to wake up in the morning whether or not you're there. The question is, are you doing the things that you can add value to their lives, right? And if so, how are you going to do those things and what products and services are you going to offer, right? Um, we talked about getting focused and, and that very much comes down to just the discipline of doing it. Um, so one other piece around all that, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you drive discipline? Um, there's this concept of working in the organization versus working on the organization, right? Most of what I do as a business advisor is I force the people that are deeply in the weeds to step out of the weeds and work on the organization. Because you spend your life in it, right? You're making the phone calls, you're talking to the donors, you're developing out, you know, collateral, you're, you know, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you're doing, which is all working in your, and you have to do that to be successful for sure. But if you're not stepping out of it on a regular basis, and I, you know, and I would say at least monthly, and you're looking and you're revisiting, are we, are we delivering on what we believe we should be doing, right? Are we staying committed to the investment that we made in time and energy to get to this point? Are we continually checking in with our parking lot to make sure that there's not new opportunities for us to expand and deliver better services, more services to more people? right? That's all working on your business. You've got to commit the time to do that, right? If you aren't doing that at least, at least two hours a month, separate the time, carve it out, make the commitment, right? Um, you know, it's, it's not that you won't be successful. Um, it's, it's, you're going to spend a lot more time and energy getting there. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going after that brick wall with a um, wrecking ball. Very well put. Very well put. Um, so as we wrap up this really informative interview, Bob, thank you for the good stuff. We're going to do a, a sponsor message here and then throw it back to you for you to give a closing thought or a, a tip or a challenge to people who are listening today, watching today. Um, this will be on an audio podcast. It also is we're streaming it live on, on Facebook today. And then Russell will, will kind of do a, an overall summary and close us out for the day. Um, Russell's has technology challenges today, but he's back <laughs> among the living. Uh, so we, our sponsor today is our own Center Vision Leadership Foundation's online community for community builders. But this interview will go in there afterwards. It's being streamed there live now, as well as on Facebook. We, um, we have resources for nonprofit leaders that stem from all kinds of things that you're talking about. We have a place people can talk, forums. We have different levels of membership. 
for people who uh, just want to read a few things or people that want to really um, fast track their success to where they want to go. So there's a higher level, which includes uh, live interactions with us on a weekly basis. And so Center Vision Leadership Foundation is the community. So you can go to find this interview at thenonprofitexchange.org, the or the, T-H-E, nonprofitexchange.org. That's what this program is called. And when you get to that page, you'll see what the last session was and the next session. Um, and then at the top of that page is a big blue button that says join. And so join our community. Check it out. You can join for free. And if you do that, I'll give you Hubaloo's Five Pillars of Success, my program that I sell for $100. You get it for free. It's a video, action guides. It's how do you figure out, and you'll be pleased to know the first part of those, the first pillar is your strategy. So join us. Uh, we have so many resources, free level, a few dollars a month, and a few more dollars a month opens up the knowledge vault of a lot more, a lot more content. And you know what? We all think we're alone. We're lone rangers working in a vacuum. That's not true. There's a lot of people around the country that would like to talk to you and share their ideas. So we can help each other out. So, but um, it's, you get the last say here. What, what do you want to leave people with? A challenge or a tip or a thought? Um, here's, my, uh, here's my challenge. What are you going to do about it? What are you as a leader of a nonprofit going to take away and go actually go do, right? Um, are, you, are you going to, you know, uh, reach out to the, your community of other nonprofit leaders and for-profit leaders uh, and connect with them, right? Get their ideas. Uh, to, to use point, you're not alone. Right. Um, all of this is really interesting, but it's candidly interesting, but not relevant. If you don't do something with it, take it, go get your team together, right? Get a package of sticky notes and have everybody in your team start writing down. What are their values? Put them on a whiteboard. Then vote, right? Vote on the top five or six values. That'll tell you who you really are as an organization. It'll help you drive your culture. It'll help you define your brand, right? But, um, but step out of the weeds and go do something about working on your organization to give it its direction and guidance. You're the leadership. Everybody else is, by definition, following you. Setting that direction, that's what we love to talk about at CineVision. I love hearing the tech guy talk about the power of non-tech tools because that's how we roll at CineVision. So thank you, Bud Michael. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I really, I was just looking at my notes from the talk you did uh, back in December, and unfortunately I had a few glitches, but uh, people will be able to find out how to reach out to you here on CineVision. Uh, join the community. Uh, we do have a publication, the Nonprofit Professional Performance 360 magazine. Our own Sandy Birkenmeyer loves to have articles from our guests, so she'll be reaching out to you, bud, uh, for, some, uh, for some more great content. Thank you here, everyone here. Thank you for joining us again on this week's edition of, of the Nonprofit Exchange. 
We are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. You can subscribe to the podcast on both iTunes and Stitcher and come to our website. Do come to the website and join. And if you join, you have access to all of the replays uh, for all of our webinars, all of our guests, access to the magazine. So it's really worthwhile to come in there and have live weekly sessions with us every week. So do come and join us. Look for us again here at the same time next week on the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.